I definitely don't want to drink today. Today I know that I woke up in a pretty dark place this morning and then I went outside and uh, to nature to like do some grounding and healing and there was a dead deer in the water in front of me and it was like darker, you know. Uh, I definitely, but I know that alcohol isn't gonna brighten my day today. I know that it's a depressant. I know that I have a history of struggling with depression. I know that today, if I don't put alcohol in my system, I have a much better shot at feeling better, but also being of service to the people that I am of service to. Welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol and I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same like right now. Woo. Okay, folks, I'm going to level with you. My wife, 1000 Days Sober coach, Liza Lim, nutritional expert, I started listening to my podcast, right? And um, she said it's all good, but the be- the beginning bit bugs her, which is basically me talking. She said I-, I sound too cocky. So, in the spirit of taking feedback and listening to my gorgeous wife, I'm going to make this really short and sweet, so I don't annoy her too much. All right? I am going to be talking to Ben Curtis today, but before I introduce him, please be aware that now is the best time. Now is the time. There is no time like the present to come and work with us at 1000 Days Sober. What have we got for you? Okay, so we have the 1000 Days Sober experience, right? Where you can come and work with us and our personal coaching and access to all of our online content for six months, okay? And then 1000 days of working with our entire breadth of 1000 Days Sober coaches, and to be as part of our support system. And of course, have access to all the educational material as well for 1,000 days, right? So we've got that for you. We've also got a program designed to help you stop smoking for three months to give it a go to see how you feel. It's called Revitalize. Um, So if you're interested in that, let us know. And we have a brand new program called Who Am I? A 15-week experience where you get personal coaching from a member of the 1,000 Days Sober team at the moment that coach is me. Um, and it is a personal self-discovery to find out who you are so you can step in and reclaim your power and create the most amazing life. Okay. We're going to be looking at topics such as psychology, sex, relationships. We're going to be looking at our friendship groups. We're going to be looking at utopia, our work, gratitude, the whole nine yards, right? If you're interested in any of those things, head over to www.1000daysober.com and sign up for a choose yourself call where you'll get on the phone with a member of the 1000 Days Sober team and we'll see if we're a good fit of work together. All right, so on to our guest, Ben Curtis. Ben is an award-winning actor, musician, and life coach. Ben travels the world spreading healing through love and specializes in coaching creative and sensitive men to step into their power and their light. What did we talk about today? We talked about creativity, being an artist, and the fallacy that we need to drink alcohol in order for us to create our art. Uh, We talked about the wooden leg syndrome, how we think that we need drinking in order for us to have a social lubricant, in order for us to dance. Uh, We talked about reparenting. That was a big one. Uh, We talked about, you know, what is reparenting? Why do we need it? And why is it important when it comes to rediscovering ourselves and making ourselves whole and healing? So without further ado, I'm going to shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of Ben Curtis. But if you want to download our show notes, and get hold of this guy and work with him, 
then go to our website, www.1000daysober.com, head to the podcast page, and there you'll find a specially tailored page all about Ben Curtis and the work that he does. And I highly encourage you to check that out. Okay. Take care of yourselves, folks. Goodbye. How's it going, Ben? Fucking great now. Damn, man. I feel that was a beautiful intro. I am feeling I've never heard someone say they refuse to be an alcoholic or not, or they're not an alcoholic and they refuse to be anonymous. So uh, I really honor, I like that you're creating, you're honoring yourself. That's really powerful. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not doing that to like, wow. I mean, in the beginning, it was kind of a little play on AA, right? Because I was getting a lot of people coming to me and they were like, well, I've come to you because AA is not for me. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a little bit about that in it right at the beginning. You're talking like 10 years, you know, kind of playing around with this thing. But then as I developed my philosophy, I realized like, you know, some real home truths in our philosophy at 1000 Days Sober mm-hmm. around that word alcoholic, which are controversial, you know, and around the, you know, the benefits of not being anonymous. So, so now I say it with pride. I fucking love it. When I met my wife at an AA sober dance. And one of the reasons I fell in love with her is as we started to talk more, she's like, I was like, I, but like, this is really helping me. And my life is definitely in shambles because of alcohol and drugs. But like, I don't know if I'm necessarily an alcoholic. And, you know, everyone says, oh, honey, everybody says that when they first came in, but you don't end up in Alcoholics Anonymous if you're not an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure you do. I mean, it's a great place to help a lot of people. <laughs> and my wife was like, you know, I don't think I'm an alcoholic either. And I was like, cool, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Bonded over that, but she had like five years sober. And I was like, whatever it is, there's a, there was spiritual medicine there and people who were living her life, which is why I was attracted to her. She was vibrant and fun and like, an amazing dancer and like people were getting wild. And I was like, how do they do this sober? And that immediately attracted me. And my life has been, you know, as an, as if still a current actor, but someone who had a lot of fame at one point, there was people would ask me about that. And I just, I couldn't stay anonymous about something that is changing my life for the better. And I heard other actors talk about, you know, their recovery. And I just, and that actually brought seeing actors and musicians and other life coaches in, in my AA meetings were the things that kept me going. I was like, Oh fuck. Nice. Like someone like famous who's like out there killing it is just another humble human being. And I would hear them talk about it in interviews. And I realized that's really important for me to talk about that. I'm sober. I don't want to shy away from it. Yeah. I understand the traditions and like protecting AA as a whole. So you know, there's people who are like, I'm an AA, and then they're a fucking asshole or like not really sober. And it, you know, it can ruin it for other people. But in the end, we all have agency today. We're all adults and we get to make our own choices and say who we are. It's a self-diagnosed disease, and you don't have to be an alcoholic to get help. I just had this vision of you in an AA meeting with um Tom Hardy and Colin Farrell and uh, <laughs> Michael Jackson, you know, like just fucking like just cutting his shit, you know, like, yeah, yeah I'm fucked up, man. How he fucked up you. Yeah. I'm really yeah. fucked up. You know? yeah. Well, I've talked to some people with a lot of success and they've said it's almost who are, you know, a famous actor or someone of, of notoriety in the public. And they've said, you know, it, it it is fucking hard to be successful right now because I have more to lose and it's terrifying. So the more successful I get, the closer I stay to my, to my tribe that helps keep me sober. And I thought, God, thank you for saying that. You know, it's not like you 
your life takes off and then you're, you're healed necessarily, or everything's just perfect. Like you still have tools. It can still be a daily battle, you know, alcohol to me, even though it's ruined my life still looks pretty sexy almost every day. So uh, it's still something I really have to check in with myself about and decide, you know, am I going to drink today or not? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a never again guy, which is also, you know, important for some people to, for their well-being, but it's not my story. That's really interesting. Cause at the beginning we were like, what are we going to talk about today? Right. But there's a couple <laughs> of things that have come up, right? So the never again guy, that's a thing. Okay. Right. Um, how to dance sober is definitely a thing. And also what happens when you get fame? So fame, let's use fame as a metaphor for just success, right? So like I have a fucking amazing wife, success. I have kids, success. I just got promoted in my work, success. I don't drink alcohol anymore, success, right? So there there are a couple of things we can talk about. Let's touch upon the I'm not a never again guy, right? So normally when I come across people in 1,000 Days Sober, and they have, say, I'm thinking of a particular guy, right? He's probably listening to this now going, oh, you fucking wanker. But I got a guy in mind, like, he's gone, like, nearly a year without having a drink. And then all of a sudden, he's going to meet up with mates. Success. Amazing success, right? Then he's going to meet up with mates. And there's a part of him that's like, oh, fuck, right? Like, you know, normally when I have fun times with these guys, like it's all around drinking and I've, you know, you start to get a bit nostalgia. You start to think you're going to miss it a little bit. What are you going to be like with these, with these people? And, you know, the crux is, is my night going to be as enjoyable as it could be if I, if I don't drink. Right. So then whenever I hear that kind of talk at 1000 days sober, I, I see a red flag. I'm like, Okay, this person thinks there's value in alcohol. So if there's value in alcohol, there's going to be a continual battle about whether we should drink it or not. And that I don't want that. I want to help people get rid of that, right? Yeah. So so then I entered a con- too. I've been in that battle. Right. So then I enter that conversation. I'm like, this is because it's not an ever, th- it's not a forever thing. So for me, it's a forever thing. So I'm like, I'm never going to drink alcohol ever, ever again. So because I've made that vow and it's like my my whole entire being is cemented in it that I'm never, ever going to be not say never, ever currently I'm not ever triggered about alcohol. So when I get into this conversation with people about this, the defense that the, that the addictive thinking creates normally is, yeah, well, I don't know about this forever thing. Right. Right. So in your experience, how can we balance the question of I'm never going to drink forever and balance that with not living a, a complete life of lack, of mm-hmm. desperately wanting a drink, but stopping yourself from drinking, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it's really, um, really unique to the individual. But for me, I would say it's, um, I definitely don't want to drink today. Today, I know that I woke up at a pretty dark place this morning and then I went outside and uh, to nature to like do some grounding and healing. And there was a dead deer in the water in front of me and it was like darker, you know, Uh, I definitely, but I know that alcohol isn't going to brighten my day today. I know that it's a depressant. I know that I have a history of struggling with depression. I know that today, if I don't put alcohol in my system, I have a much better shot at feeling better, but also being of service to the people that I 
I'm of service to. And it's, um, and also I'm going to show up as a, as a better husband and just a better human. Um, I'm not putting something in my body that's poison and that is going to have a negative effect on me. Maybe not tonight, probably tomorrow and definitely mentally for the next few weeks, months. I know what it's like to drink on a sober mind. I, I've, I drank uh, four months into being sober and it, it didn't, it was, it was fun for the night. And then what came along with that is just immense shame, desperation, uh, judgment, uh, self-loathing, depression. So I just know for today, that's what how I find balance is I have enough proof that I probably should never drink again, but saying I'm never going to, for me personally, in the way my brain works actually kind of makes me want it more. Right. So for me to say, I'm definitely not going to do it today. It's not going to help. That really helps me a lot. That's how I find balance personally. I envy people who who are never like never going to do it again. I really wish I felt that way. I've worked to try to find that. You know, I had um, sponsors in AA who I said, you know, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. I still would like to drink one day. And they said, okay, well, let's like do the steps and see what happens from there. So it didn't work for me to say like, never again, it wasn't my truth. So I think mm. honoring my truth is what also helps me stay sober. Mm. My wife that, that, has a similar experience and actually she drinks now and it hasn't gone great for her, but she's, she keeps recovery close in her mind. She, she keeps a check on it, you know, but she's not me. So for me, I know that's not going to help me and I can see, you know, the negative effects for her and how she struggles. I don't want to go through that. I don't want to wake up. I've never woken up the next day being like, damn, I wish I had drank last night. Even yeah. with my friends, like I've been on tour with my bandmates and I spent a lot of time at bars and um, sober and, and watching the destruction even. And, and of that was like, that was painful to watch too, but it also kept me sober. Remember, it helped me rem remember why I am because seeing those guys the next day, I mean, I was up ready to go, feeling great. They weren't, you know, so it's, I also had all the money that I started with in my wallet from the night before. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. really yeah. cool too, you know. That is a cool one. Um, what you said there reminds me, the guy that I'm talking about is Paul and, you know, and, and what Paul said was his, by breaking down his uh, sobriety goals into smaller chunks. So he didn't go to a day, but he, he went to like smaller milestones than forever. Or like our particular milestone is 1,000 days. So is 1,000 days. Let's go 1,000 days. Paul's milestones are smaller. And when I challenged him on that, like his, um, his notion made sense like yours, this works for me and it has worked for me. So I want to keep doing what works. So I imagine when you do something like the steps at AA, and your sponsor's saying to you, now, we're going to have this philosophy of one day at a time. And you try it and it works. You don't really want to get rid of it, right? That's another aspect right. of it, I imagine. Like, I'm the same. Like, my philosophy is I'm all in and I'm never going to drink again. So, boom. Like, that works for me. So, I'm not going to shake away from that. I guess the learning point for me out of this is not everybody is Lee Davy. And that is a, that is a, a, a learning point for me that I have to keep coming yeah. back to. It's like, yeah. you fucking kidding me? You don't think like me? Like, so my wife fucking. And I had that argument last night. She's, you know, we were like really in it heavy. And it was like, she was like, well, I'm not fucking you. And I'm like, well, I'm not you. I, I'm, 
well, she's fucking me, but you know, she's like, I'm not you. And I was like, well, I'm not you either. You know? And it was like, Oh, she was like, you know, maybe you're never going to understand me completely. Like consider you're never going to get me. And I said, yeah, consider that I may never completely understand you because we are different people. And can we just like be okay with that rather than trying to force our perspective, which is all that was happening. I mean, most arguments coming out of someone trying to be right but I said, can we just like learn from each other? Like, what's your experience? And then is there space for me to share mine? Because I think that's how we learn from each other. Mm, so I like that. awesome. I feel you, man. Thank you for reminding me that not everybody thinks like me either. Yeah. And, and I'd like to draw attention before we underline what we were talking about, you know, in terms of one day at a time versus I'm never, ever going to drink again. I think, you know, the main point there is what works for you, but not everybody knows what works for them. Yeah. So find a guide that uh, that you feel uh, an energetic connection with. And then, you know, and then even when you find a dude or a, or a, or a lady who is your energetic vibe, that don't have to take everything that they say. Like, you just got to figure it out yourself. But I think the key here is, is just always be really mindful about what's going on and how you're thinking about your relationship with alcohol. So, in, in you know, if you're, for me, if you're waking up every morning and you're like, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. And you've got that kind of energy. Like, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. As opposed to like, hey, man, I'm not fucking drinking today. Right? Yeah. There needs to be some dialogue with whether you've got a sponsor, or whether you're with people. It's just like, hey, I'm feeling a little bit drawn to this nostalgia or these thoughts. So then we can help kind of, because then it might be like, oh, yeah, I don't think this is working for me. So we need to change something. It's all about how you feel, right, Ben? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it. I um, guess it's not always black and white for me about how I feel because if I was always just going on my feelings, I, you know, I could have, <laughs> I could have drank. But I, I think what you really suggested is is finding someone who you resonate with, who understands you, and you see what's something working in them that you like, and to ask them how they did it and if they could share with with you and also just speaking your, what you shared, what I heard you say is, you know, you're just speaking your truth today. Like, Hey, I'm kind of drawn to this, um, Mm. you know, and talking to them about it because ultimately it's those things we keep secret that I believe feed our addiction. So the more we can just voice those things that we're thinking about that draw us towards the the dark or those things that we know aren't good for us, that it it actually gives an opportunity, a space for it to shift and move. Mm. And that is kind of what, some people would call a higher power, like any power greater than ourselves. And that could just be another person who's like, yeah, man, I think about that every day. And you know why? Because I drink every day. So you're not alone. And do you want to do something about it or or not? You know, if you want to not drink today, let's talk about it. I can support you in that. Call me, you know, before you go out with these dudes and call me after, call me during, hmm. you know, um, do you need to go out with these dudes tonight? Like, one thing I really love to do is uh, rather than going and meeting my friends in bars, and I made it clear so they don't invite me to bars anymore. Um, I say, you know, I want to be able to have a conversation with you. I want to be able to hear you, and I want you to not be fucked up the whole time we're talking. So, uh, could we have like my my buddy who does like a big birthday blowout at a bar every year? What I do is I may pop by for twenty minutes or not, but I'll always take him out to lunch the next day. And then we can really talk. But, you know, even sometimes he's, he's so hung over that we don't have a great lunch. 
Hmm. And he's talking and he's, he's now starting to talk to me like, man, I just like, I wish I could not drink like you, you know, I wish I could get a handle on this thing. And I said, listen, when you're ready, I'm here for you, Hmm. you know, and he's tried, but he's not, he hasn't been fully ready. So, you know, we're on our own journey. We have to honor each other. There's a couple of things that you said that it really resonated with me. And uh, one of them was we share um, a connection with somebody who's just about to have a big house party in San Diego, right? And I saw the post on Facebook inviting us all to go, right? And then my first impulse was, yeah, got to be there because I'm part of that tribe. First impulse, got to be there. Second impulse was, oh, I can't do that because of the the rules that we've created in this family to keep my in-laws safe who we live with in the seventies around coronavirus. Right. So I'm like, if I go to this party, there's no fucking way anyone's wearing any masks. Nobody's going to be at distance. I can't do that because I've signed up for something different. That second thing that came into my head. But the third thing that came into my head was if I go, everyone's going to be fucked up and I'm not going to enjoy myself. So why am I going? Now, I want to touch on that point because it's really important. Mm, A lot of people who I work with would listen to that and go, oh, see, that's why I don't stop drinking because Lee has just penalized himself and he cannot enjoy that moment, right? Mm. Here is how I would enjoy that moment. I would go to San Diego. I would arrive on time whenever that is, and I would have the best two hours of my life and then as soon as I see people start to nosedive, I get the fuck out of Dodge. Unless I found somebody that I can communicate with on a deep level who is not drinking or using, right? Yeah. Sometimes I can connect with people who are using drugs, but not alcohol. Sorry, using drugs other than alcohol, because I think alcohol is a drug. And I can, I can jive with them okay. I can speak to someone who's on weed and I could be okay, right? Um, but alcohol for me is a bit of a killer. I find it really, there are a few people in my life who I used to play poker with, who for some reason can just fucking drink and drink and drink. And they're still the same, but we, you know, uh, and that's okay with me. But yeah, for me, it's kind of like, you don't have to drink alcohol just because all of a sudden this, this thing isn't fun anymore. You need to analyze why isn't this fun? And was it really fun to begin with? If it's no fun anymore, Uh, what what are your comments and views on that? Cause I imagine as you were, going around in the, on tour, you were, you were, you know, look staring this in the face all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a really great question. Could you just reinstate, could you just ask that question one more time? Cause I want to make sure I've got it clear around fun and, and it's more, it's more of a, it's more of a talking point than a question It's it's, I know there'll be people listening to this that will say it's a negative thing that I'm feeling like if I go to this party that I'm suffering because I chosen not to drink. Whereas when I used to drink, I would be able to go to the party. And I don't want people listening to this to allow that to stop them from trying to become sober because that's resistance talking. So I, I want a conversation with you, I guess, around how can we expel this myth that we can't enjoy ourselves when we stop drinking alcohol? I think we have to live by example and just have, I think we have a responsibility to have a lot of fucking fun. And, um, you know, it's a great question because it's something I still struggle with sometimes. Like I notice, uh, you know, alcohol is a social lubricant and can quote unquote loosen you up sometimes. So 
you know, I would notice myself being kind of a tight ass person in the band sometimes. Cause also I felt like I'm the one that has to keep it together because no one else is, and no one else is like looking out for the logistics. They're just ready to party. So I really find, but, but then when you look at it, you're saying, well, is the party actually fun in the first place? Or yeah. did you need, like, if you needed to drink to enjoy yourself, like, were you actually, was it a good time? You know, but I just think we've been so conditioned that we some people don't know how to have fun without uh, alcohol, that it is scary and weird and vulnerable at first. But um, what made it so sexy and fun to get sober to me are the people that were having fun and that are having fun and are living extraordinary lives without alcohol. So I just think it's living by example. Like I, you know, I've been to sober dances where you think everyone is on drugs because they're just like <laughs> so wild, but they're just like, they're still party people. They just aren't you know, messed up and they get to like leave hydrated and feeling great and uh, having great conversations. So I think, you know, you have to find like, what does fun mean to you? If fun is getting obliterated, you may not, yes, you may have to let that go. And for me, there is a grieving of, of that joy of obliteration. Right. But what I found on the other side of it was like so much freedom that I got to be sort of like a sneaky free agent like going into this place and like, Ooh, I can dabble with these people and I can dabble with these people. And they may not know that I'm sober. I may even have like something that looks like a cocktail and I'm just like, yeah. And feeding off the energy, you know, mm. but if the energy isn't good, then it's only going to lead to more darkness. And when I was at those parties, like often I would leave later and later and later in a darker and darker place, having done something I wish I hadn't. Um, so it's an opportunity to like go and have fun and then, and then learn like, oh, there's a boundary. Like maybe I can actually leave when I want to, and I can still show up for my things tomorrow. So for me, it's really sexy and appealing and joyful to go have a great time and knowing that I'm taking care of myself simultaneously and I can come out of it on the other side feeling great. So, um, I find things that I love to do that are wild. So if it's a party and there's a pool, you can guarantee I'm going to be the first one with my clothes off in the pool. Like I'm going to have, I'm going to be that guy. Cause that's what I love to do. Like, yeah. maybe, okay. Depending on who's there, maybe not all my clothes, but most of them, maybe I'll jump in with my clothes and then I'm going to throw someone else in. And yeah. you know, those are the things I love. I love wild, spontaneous energy. And then I like having deep conversations with people and I'll pull people aside and do that. So it's like all of those things. I don't know if there's, um, one answer. I think it's mm. just like going in with an intention, like I'm going to have a good time. And when it stops being fun, you're allowed to leave, which is also something most people don't give their, themselves permission to do. No, like, no, no, not when they started drink, not when they started drinking. It's similar to going out and having 20 cigarettes in your packet, like, you know, the, or having food on your plate at dinner time. If you've been brought, brought up that way, you're like the object is to just finish what's on the plate or the object when you go out is just to keep drinking. Like it's only when you go around Europe and somebody orders a bottle of wine and leaves half of it. And you think, what the fuck? This guy's yeah. fucking crazy. He's just left half a bottle of wine. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, um, it's very different in the UK. Uh, I just want to preface that with a story. Actually, I think it's really important when you go out, uh, and get really curious about this and ask the question why. So I was at Burning Man and I went to this dance event, uh, in the daytime with my wife and a friend of hers, another female friend. And we got there and there was several people naked. There was uh, several people dressed up in some kind of weird kind of 
sexual kind of gear, you know, I'm saying weird, but weird to me and my kind of stereotypical kind of vanilla kind of outlook on that kind of stuff. <laughs> and immediately I couldn't move my, I couldn't move. Like I, I was just like, wow, this is so inauthentic. Right. So then I say to my, I look at my wife and look at friend and they're fucking, you know, they're moving. Right. So I'm like, what the fuck? And the woman who's DJing really helps. She said, everybody close your eyes. I'm feeling the music. So I close my eyes and I feel in the music, right? And I'm just moving and I'm fucking getting into it. And then she's like, open your eyes. I open my eyes. And there's this old guy in like S&M gear in front of me. And he's fucking gyrating. And I'm fucking gyrating with him. And so the why is, why is that an issue for me? Obviously, there's an element of people pleasing. Obviously, there's an element of fixed mindset. Obviously, there's an element of ego. There's an element of um, getting my worth and value from external uh, sources, right? Mm. So the why now enables me to go on a voyage of self-discovery to see what does that mean to me and, and my relationship with myself? And what does it mean to the relationship that I have with those around me? What does it mean to my wife if I'm that guy, right? Now, rewind 10 years and I go to Burning Man. Now I'm going to say, give me a lot of drugs and give me a lot of alcohol. And I'm going to turn up at that spot and I'm just going to be like a fucking wild man. And I'm not going to remember it. But I'm not asking the question as to why I need to take these substances in order for me. Do you know what I mean? So I would much rather that we ask the question. And then afterwards, we said to ourselves, well, now I know the answers. I think I'm going to get fucked up. If that's what you want to do, right? If that's what you want to do. But I realized in that moment, Bennett, I love dancing. It's mm. just I have a bit of an issue when it comes to just letting loose, just that little bit of, yeah. of the stops me. I don't need to right. fucking drink to get over that little bit. I need to learn how to develop a growth mindset. I need to learn how to develop yes. the love myself. You can't do that when you're fucking drinking because you're not, no. you're not asking those questions. Yes. God, you said it. Yeah. That was so well said. That's beautifully articulated. You just nailed it home for me because I go to a, a daily, a, a weekly, or I was going to a weekly daytime dance event where I felt so connected with people. And every week I had that resistance, but every week I went because I knew that once I pushed through, I was going to have the time of my life. Like every time my wife is like, let's go. And I'm like, oh, not that hippie shit again. <laughs> you know, like, These people are way too hippie. And she was like, fuck you. You're always the first one with your shirt off, like gyrating on the floor. And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Like I almost forget every time how much fun I have. Uh, and it's just that initial thing. But like you said, you can't grow it through alcohol, through numbing out. You can only grow through feeling those feelings and being willing to, to come up against them. Like courage is not without fear, right? It's just embracing that fear and taking action anyway. So it is, it is growing courage. You know, it's, it's teaching your body and your nervous system that you're going to live Mm. And you may even have an incredible experience. And the conversations I've been able to have and connections I've been able to keep and remember and, and uh, grow because of, of not being intoxicated have just been exceptional. And all my relationships that were built on alcohol or drugs have fallen in the wayside. And I started to see what really matters. Mm. And I have relationships with friends who still um, are heavy drinkers or users, but it's because they're true friends, no matter what. Um, it's not because we bond over alcohol or drugs anymore. You know, they're still there for me and they get, I'm, they respect my journey. I have a, a few who drink heavily. I just don't, if I go out with them, I go to cinema or I, yeah. 
Yeah, I meet I'm up in a coffee dinner. shop or yeah, yeah. yeah or dinner where oh, they'll they might have a few beers or something. But it's and and what I find is my my friends, the ones who have who stuck around, there's a mutual respect. So they they know they don't want that mirror shoved in their face. They they don't want to be getting wanked while. So this is why they don't call you when they're going out to get smashed with all their buddies. It's kind of like. Yeah, I don't want to leave there. Like, fucking show me that I don't need this shit. So, like, and I'm cool with that. You know, I remember one friend of mine, Akers, he just said to me when I gave up drinking, and he was like, fucking well done. Like, I'm really proud of you. Wish I had the balls to do it. But I'm telling you now, I feel really uncomfortable being around you. Um, and I'm like, I wasn't experienced enough to, to realize it at the time that, like, okay, well, that's your shit. Like, that's not my shit. Um, I didn't say anything. I was just like, oh, wow. And it never affected me or anything, but I can see how it does affect people. You know, that oh need God. to people please and to the fear of being lonely. And, and for me, the fear of being lonely, whenever I'm lonely and I get lonely a lot, right? Yeah, really, when I look at it, I'm just like, Lee, you're such a lazy bastard. There's 7.8 billion people out there. I'm in Los Angeles. There's so many like real top quality people I've been interacting with that live like within an hour's drive. Stop being so fucking lazy and go out and meet them and have some fun instead of being lonely, right? Like it's Mm. a lot of it for me. It's just like fucking, Mm. it's finding that courage to like break through that uncomfortableness of yeah, we don't have a school playground anymore, so I'm not forced to make friends. I literally have to go out and make them, and I don't have to do that because I got my wife and I got my kid and I got my my computer, and so I don't have to move anywhere. Right, if, right. right. Well, then, then suck it up. You're 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 yeah. choosing to isolate yourself, right? There's there's no way we have to be lonely in this world. Yes, thank you, and thank you for saying that you feel lonely a lot, um, all the time I do too. I do too, and. uh that's what I realized my journey was like I have used whether it's drugs or people or sex or food to not um, to try to avoid feeling lonely my whole life. And it's only inside of my relationship with my wife that I started to see how much I continually depended on her and even taking her saying like, I can't give you the love you need. You have got to find that yourself. And um, that's why I thank her every day. It's uh, she drinks, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't affect our relationship because she shows up for me in that way. She's, she mirrors me. And she said, I don't want a drunk husband, you know? And I said, thank you. You know? And she, if, if she drinks too much, she'll, you know, honor it and, uh, and create something newly with me. She owns it. And so I realized too, my journey was just through, self-healing and reparenting myself and dealing with that loneliness because the alcohol and the drugs just sent me way further into that loneliness. And I made some great friends at the time, but like, great. I'm giving it these quotations because what I found out is they were way lonelier than I am. And they were like bottom feeders and they were feeding on me uh, and the love I had because I gave so much love outward, but I, I didn't know how to give it to myself. And that's been mm. my journey. And through honoring that and through allowing myself to be lonely and feel those feelings is how I've been able to help so many sensitive men during this time or any men that are like, just feel stuck and afraid and alone. Um, just to know that you're not alone. And, and some of the loneliest I've ever felt was in the middle of New York city. Mm. You know, Surrounded by people. Yeah. And, um, it was just because 
I was afraid to put myself out there and, and I was just feeling my feelings for the first time. I actually needed to feel lonely and that was really important and, and need to know the connection, but it's, it's now a barometer for, I need to give myself some more love. You know, I need to parent myself a little bit more. Um, Cause if I'm seeking it from outside, yes, it's very important to have human connection with another, uh, but it has to start with ourself first. And that's an, ultimately why I quit, uh, drinking and doing drugs is because I was looking, I was, I was on the way to becoming a, a coach and a life coach. And I was, you know, dealing with life and, and looking at the training of personal growth and development. And, and we were having a conversation in this training about integrity. And the one place I was most out of integrity with was how I treated my body hmm. like a dumpster. Whenever I had feelings, I was pouring alcohol on us, pouring drugs on it. I was not in integrity with my body. And what mattered to me and the second those things stopped and it was my, also my identity as a struggling artist, as a musician, as an actor, I didn't know how the hell to make music without drugs or alcohol. I didn't know, how, like, I mean, I knew, luckily I didn't use most of the time when I would audition or perform because I knew that they really like messed up my performance. Um, but I didn't know that as a musician and it took a year of being sober before I saw how in, incredible this like how much bigger the the sky the limits were and my bandmates started thanking me and people are like you've never sounded better there's opportunities <laughs> and like music exploded out of me but i had to like grieve that first i didn't play mm -hmm. for a year because i was afraid and i felt alone and sad and i had to grieve i had to let it go so that it could come birth from a new positive <sighs> place and now i can go anywhere and do anything because i'm sober you know, I get to go on the road. I get to travel the world. I get to be a coach for other men. I get to be an actor. Like I get to just honor my heart because I have the resilience to take care of myself. Do you mind if I... Like attracts like. So mm. I attract more light beings now, less darker people that are trying to get fucked up all the time. Like me and you. Yeah, it's great. Like I'm so happy to be on this. Yeah. Or to this. You know. The Can I, when I saw you pop up, I was like thrilled. Um, like when I saw like a thousand days sober, like this is my guy. I can't wait to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What you said there, could I just labor on it a little bit? Cause I think it's a Please. good teach, a good teaching point for people listening. So for you regular listeners, you'll know that I believe there are a number of reasons why we drink alcohol. One, one of them is going to be, you know, trauma related. You know, so we were just been talking about loneliness. Uh, ben talked about reparenting. We'll touch upon that in a minute. So there'll be some kind of trauma lineage there that we need to kind of figure out. But the biggest one by far is what I call the invisible, violent, and dominant belief system. This invisible belief system that nobody knows exists that programs us from birth to drink alcohol and ostracizes us if we don't drink it. And the way that the belief system works is very complicated. We unpick it in the 1,000 Days Sober Experience. But one element of it is storytelling, is the, the rules of so-called rules of life that we never really push and we never prod. We just accept them as being rules. And one of those rules, if you're an artist or a, mu a musician, is I cannot create art sober. It's a rule. 
It is a rule that has been passed down from the Beatles, from the Rolling Stones, Damon Albarn saying, um, I created my best work when I was on heroin, um, and on and on and on and on and on, until you just know in your DNA that it is impossible for you to create unless you're high. So then what that does is it kicks in resistance as an artist and resistance says there's no way that you can stop drinking alcohol because if you do, you'll be a worthless piece of shit. You won't be able to sell anything. You won't be able to create anything and you won't enjoy what you're doing, which enables you to keep drinking, which is why this belief system is really important. What I love is like when you come on here, uh, Julian, who's um, uh, you know the, the lead singer of the Machine Breakers who was on here recently, the people who break through that and go, Holy shit, I created some fucking epic shit when I was high. But I created some even more epic shit now I'm sober. Because, ladies yes. and gentlemen, I'll say this and I'll, and I'll pass it over to Ben. You have no fucking idea what you're capable of or how many gears you've got to go up until you stop. And then you're like, fuck, I never realized that I created this wonderful life and I was stuck in first gear. Where can we go now, right? Over yes, to you. yes. Fucking amen. I I just, yes, you said it. I mean, that, that nails it on the head. I just thought I couldn't create. I needed to be like, it's how I tapped into that animal at night, like the, in, in, in music and that like darkness to, to call from and that energy. But what happens is for me when I got sober and it's similar to like, um, as an actor, when, uh, you, I, I got a big role. I was the face of Dell computers. And I was a 20 year old auditioning for a 13 to 17 year old kid they were looking for, but I was able to play that 16, uh, you know, that 13 to 17 year old so much better. Cause I'd already lived through that. And I had the objective perspective where I could call on any age at any moment and, and shift into any gear. So as an artist, what happened when I put down the alcohol is that I saw that, I could still choose that darkness and that wild animal and that mm. beast was still there waiting for me, but I could also choose anything else. And so mm. the amount of music and the colors that have come out of me, like I've, I've written some really intense, heavy stuff, but it's like, it's transformative now because it's not someone who's just coming from a low vibration of, you know, stuck in that first gear. Like you said, it really like, it, it reaches people and it's filled with more light and, and calls. And I can work on like the calling in abundance and energy. And, and, and also like, I'm so on top of my game as a business person, which is a huge part of being an artist today. You've got to be able to sell yourself and market and, and get out there. And, and then also what I saw is that it was all about me. And when I was on stage, even as a, it, you know, when I wanted to be a coach, it's because I wanted to have some fame or notoriety or be a famous public speaker. But when I started coming from it as like, I'm going on stage or I'm going into this meeting or I'm going into this audition or I'm going to create this piece of art out of service to the world. And when I started thinking of it of being of service to another, it just, it took so much weight off my shoulders because it wasn't about people judging me for my art anymore or my self-expression um, or my voice. It was like, Hey, does this serve you? Do you get something from this? Does it, does it light you up? Great. N no, it doesn't. Great. 
I'm not your guy. Like, this mm. isn't your music. I'm not your coach, you know, like go find the person who is because like, this is what I'm putting out, like take it or leave it. And so I became, and that's even sexier. You suddenly have a boundary and you're confident. And, you know, it just, I couldn't see any of that, like you said. So I love the metaphor of like, you have no idea how many more gears you have to shift into, but Hey, that low gear is always available. If you want to go there, it's still there, but it doesn't have to be. Well, you can, you, you can see the gears when you're, when you're sober, like you can see them like, Oh, I have choices. Whereas like when you're drinking, you very, you are in the matrix, like you're, you're, you're in the matrix and you think life is great. Like you don't, you don't do anything. So like I had a session with a guy this morning. Possibility. No, I had a session with a guy this morning and I came off it like 90 minutes and my wife said to me, how'd it go? And I said, uh, I talked too much. I overwhelmed him. And um, I didn't ask him enough powerful questions. You know, Mm. I'm able to do that because I'm able to look at my life more thoroughly. And I'm able to, I'm able to ask myself questions about how I performed. I'm able to love myself. I'm able to like in that instance, I'm not beating myself up. I'm like, I'm going, right. I'm going to, I'm going to get, and I did, I went on to Marco Polo. I'm like, Hey, I think I'm going to introduce a feedback sheet because this is how I feel about how I showed up. And I want you to know that's how I'm feeling. Um, let me know if any of that speaks to you. You know, I've never been able to do that when I was drinking because I would just been like, how'd it go? Fucking killed it. <laughs> Fucker. It's on there for 90 minutes. Whoa. Yeah. I fucking told him everything I knew. Woo. <laughs> it's like the metric of success is like, like me imparting my knowledge and wisdom on the guy. Whereas yeah. now the metric of success is like, did I really help this person? Yeah. Right. Actually, and, and don't get me wrong. the other guy. How was yeah. it for him? <laughs> yeah. How was it for you? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, and then this is, which is what I think is really important. Like 10 years down the line, like I stopped drinking 10 years ago, 10 years down the line, you realize, holy, holy moly, I'm going to be a work in progress way beyond. Like when I'm, dying i'm still gonna be like fucking up like on my deathbed i probably will have the wrong people around my bed like i'll fucking miss <laughs> someone out you know and i'll feel really i'll feel bad i'll be like motherfucker like why didn't i invite him um but it, but you can meet that with much more like empathy and compassion and let's talk talk about reparenting you mentioned it earlier on for people who are listening what is reparenting? Why do you need it? Uh, how did you use it yourself? Do you use it when you're helping other people? Yeah, go for this it. is great. And I just, do you mind if I go back and say one more thing about Yeah, sure. Do what you want. I, I, I was um, actually sharing with the client today um, who's really uh, holding on to suffering. Um, and this, this goes into reparenting as well. So he had a very abusive childhood, a very abusive father who taught him he was never enough. Um, it was never going to be enough, like ultimate perfection as well, and very verbally and physically abusive and still is to this day. So we were talking about healthy boundaries and he was saying, you know, I've just been programmed to suffer and I've been carrying this around. And I just, you know, through our work together, he saw for the first time that maybe he doesn't have to suffer anymore and that he didn't even realize that was an option mm-hmm. until he talked to another, until he was in conversation with me, someone who had been through that mm. and was no longer living that anymore. So in honor of September 11th, I am a survivor of September 11th. 
I used to say I'm a victim of that. And um, I lived in ground zero. I was there when it happened. Holy shit. And uh, I saw a lot of death and destruction and I lived through it. I, I, I had a lot of trauma and PTSD from it, uh, undiagnosed because I was pouring drugs and alcohol on me. So I didn't know what was wrong with me until I put them down and um, saw that I was medicating with that. Um, and it was getting worse. So I hadn't opened my mail in three months. Um, my father had to fly from Tennessee up to New York to like help me open my mail and take me to a therapist. I could not help myself. All I could do is order more drugs or alcohol or whatever. But point being, I want to, I just, you know, honor that because I was carrying suffering around as a badge of honor. People, you would start this podcast. You'd be like, tell me your story. And I'd be like, well, first off, I'm a victim of 9-11, blah, 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 blah. I would kick off wearing this like scarlet letter as a pride of honor. And till I saw one day, oh my God, this was, and this was actually right before I got sober, but one of the, the, with working with a coach who the same coach that brought the integrity conversation to me said, you know, how long do you want to stay a victim? Like, is this serving you? Cause I've heard you mention it a couple of times and it's, uh, it's kind of weird. And I said, <laughs> God, you're right. Holy <laughs> shit. It just like hit me. Like I'm in, he's like, do you want to put that 3000 pound weight down? Cause it looks kind of heavy, you know? I mean, just a thought. And yeah. it's like, Oh my God, I couldn't see it. Yes. And we just did a little exercise. He was like dropping a pen. Like, this is your suffering. Look at it, drop it. Did you let it go yet? No. And we did that like over and over until suddenly it was like, I had dropped it. Hmm. I somehow identified it. And it was just someone giving me permission to let it go. Hmm. And on that, um, so I was sharing that story with this, with this client today like you can hold on to this, but consider that you don't have to. And he's like, well, how the fuck do I do that? I'm like, well, we're going to talk about it. There's tools like there's reparenting. So if you didn't have the father that you needed and your mother was an enabler, which if you you know grew up in an alcoholic home or you're an alcoholic, chances are someone else in your family is. And, and I didn't grow up in an alcoholic home, but I grew up around addicts who were mm. people pleasers, codependents, uh, overeaters, uh, anger seekers. And uh, there's an opportunity to parent yourself as an adult. So what does that mean? You ask that question. What is reparenting? Um, well, if you had a healthy father, what might they say today? If you had a healthy, sane mother, what might they encourage you to do? My mother, uh, you know, as much as she struggled, has encouraged me to, you know, lean into my emotions, to feel my feelings, um, to ask for help. That's one thing my parents did well. They were in a lot of therapy. But talking about my feelings didn't always work. And so I was even working with a coach and a healer that does some inner child work recently. And she said, you know, you are really at the effect of your emotions. And you had a confused father who, my dad is gay, but he had not owned that until I was about 15 years old. And um, and you had a, a mother that was too soft in a way. She said, you need to go out and fucking like cut some wood and like, or, sh- you know, like punch a punching bag, like get into that masculine energy in a positive way. Like what a father might take his son to do, like, we're going to go out and do some manly things this weekend. Oh, climb a tree. 
Yeah, but I needed that. Yeah, you know, I really did. And um, so, for me, parenting myself today is, you know, what would a strong, stable father tell me? And that's the voice that I try to to give myself. Now, my father is good and strong and stable now, but he was not that when I was a child. And I can't, I don't get the same from him now, even. Hmm. But, and my father's not always available and he's older and, and um, in a different spiritual place. So it, it to me, is as simple as like, and I said it, you know, what would a healthy father say to me? Hmm. Um, and, and like you said too, Lee, at the beginning, finding someone who you resonate with. So for me, it is very important to have, because I, I identify more towards the heterosexual side of, of sexual orientation, but to have, and, and straight men scared me because of like them, I don't know why, but I've found that I need to have some like straight men in my life that are powerful and yet sensitive, but also like really resilient and not super emotional. And um, so basically some mentors that, that exhibit like that behavior that I need to have balance in myself. It's really interesting that you said that straight men scared you because when I was in Burning Man, I was in this, um, the man, is it the Mankind Project? The man, the man something project. And we were all sitting around a circle, just all men. Although one woman came in and said, does anyone mind if I sit down? And this one guy was like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. This is all men. <laughs> but he got overruled because everyone was like, yeah, sit down. What the fuck, right? And I realized in that discussion that I'm, terif- I'm terrified of being intimate with men. You know, like I, it was like it, it hit me in the moment. I've never thought about it until you just mentioned it. You know, like I'll always gravitate towards the women. I just want to honor you for uh, your vulnerability there um, to own that you were carrying around the story of 9-11 as a, a badge of honor is like incredibly vulnerable. So thank you for that. And I think that, that, that in that lies the key to all of our addiction issues is if we can be guided towards our shame and we can speak our shame, which takes vulnerability and courage, there is no shame. And, and, and then it is a question of, and then the pen does drop. Mm. And, um, but, you know, you know I'll, I'll end by saying this to, to everybody, you know, don't do this alone. Mm. You, get to, you, get, you get to a point where you, you get more comfortable and confident. Like you get to a point where you'd be like, yeah, I'm 45 years of age. I can reparent myself. And that might be true, but why, why do it alone? Why not like do it with a Ben? Why not like do it with a Lee? Why not pick up a book? Why not do a training course? Why not listen to more podcasts? Why not figure this out with people who are more steeped and experienced in these arts to enable you to kind of like, it's almost like you have all the fireworks within yourself and you have this wick, but you just need someone every now and then to light the fucker, Mm. right? And once they light it, the fireworks are within you. They're like, Ben can light my wick. Ben can light my wick. I don't know where this is going. Ben can light my wick. <laughs> but my big fucking rocket is not Ben's. It's my big rocket, right? Yeah. And I think, yeah. yeah, That didn't end very well, did it? I think it's fucking fuck? great. Go fucking, think, let's go light some wicks. Let's, let's go light some fucking Catherine wheels. <laughs> ben, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I've really appreciated it. I'll make sure that everybody knows how to find you, to work with you. 
If you listen to this, folks, go to www.1000daysober.com. There'll be a, a podcast page. Ben will have his own, and you'll have his uh, beautiful face on there and all the links Ooh. to his his work and how to join him, work with him as a life coach, listen to his music, watch him in his Dell adverts, and all that kind of that stuff. That was 20 years ago, but yeah. yeah. You still look, you're still young enough to do it now. Thank you. You can still watch them, though. Yeah. I'm going to really do it right away. I'm going to do it right away. I bet you will. I'm going to kick out. I'll see how much of a stoner I was. <laughs> no, it's been a real pleasure. Any last words to the folks? Lee, I want to say just thank you. Thank you for being of service and all you do for the people out there. If you're listening and you think you might have a problem, this feels like some kind of, well, there's something here. You hear the universe calling, pick up the fucking phone. Yeah, yeah, Answer yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to say. Like if, if this is resonating, there's, there may be truth here for you and consider that you may be in the right place. And if you're constantly seeking it's okay to stop if you feel like this resonates. You know, you don't need to keep seeking further. Like if you found it, like come back here, reach out to Lee, but mostly, and we, you know, there's this saying in, in the recovery world too, but to thine own self be true. So fuck what your mates are doing. Like, what do you need? Hmm. What part of you are you not honoring that is just screaming inside to be listened to? And honor that. Maybe maybe don't drink today. See how it goes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the difference between an actor, an award-winning actor and a musician ending the show and a fucking idiot like me going on about fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben, much love. Take care, everybody. Next time. Absolutely.